Well, good morning. I can't raise that one. We didn't know if this was going to happen, did we? We, we did not. We Matter of fact, I contacted him early Saturday morning and said, Okay, is this going to be a duet or a solo? I need to know. <laughs> you are lucky it's a, a duet because you can get the best of both. Probably best singer Shiloh has. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Chuck? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh. <laughs> we're glad you're here really we there are a lot of prayers have been offered for you yeah. the last few days and um wounded though you are we're glad you're here we probably should mention to everybody i know everybody wants to come up and give him a big hug don't it won't be appreciated now later on would be good or just the, the words will be fine but probably no hugs now is that yeah, I, I don't think Ryan has ever bumped me as much during a service as he has today. <laughs> and what, whatever you imagine getting catapulted off a bike at 30 miles an hour feels like, every bit of it. <laughs> that, that's how it does it, feel. It hurts. So thank you for the prayers and concerns and messages. Uh, it is greatly appreciated. Well, we had planned this sermon to do together, and as I said, it was kind of hanging in the balance there for a while, but uh, what we want to talk about, and, and we'll start off with this. I want to tell you a story. Most of you have heard this story, but it's a good story. I mean, you know, preachers have good stories uh, over the history of this church, and this is where we want to kind of start talking this morning. The, the, the great times, the times when we saw the Lord show up. And I'm not suggesting that the Lord isn't always here. We want to talk about those times that we saw. I mean, it was visible, you knew, oh, the Lord's at work. He's here. Uh, one of them, and perhaps, and this, this one is close to me, because it was, it was one of the most touching moments for me, and it was, uh, it was during a time, several years ago, it was during a time when I was here on a Wednesday night, and several of our people were really hurting. Um, Jody Thompson um, had just been diagnosed with cancer, and her parents you can imagine, were so upset and devastated and people were gathering around them and there were tears. Kyle Reed had MS and was really struggling with that, one of the sons of, of, of the Reeds that were members here and, and they, were, they were hurting and they were struggling. And there was another lady, and I'll tell you the truth, you know, I can't remember her name at the moment. She had come here, been part of the congregation, been diagnosed with a brain tumor. What was her name? Do you remember? Piper? There you are. He remembers. How do you happen to remember that? You're old too. I don't know. How you, but anyway. He's younger than you. <laughs> younger than me though. Okay. Uh, she was in a wheelchair. One eye was closed. Uh, it, it was It was awful. 
And I, I saw the, the anguish, you know. The scripture says, weep with those that weep, rejoice with those. And we were weeping, we were hurting, we were struggling. Um, and I remember feeling angry. We want to, how do you fight back? How do you fight back against this? And then I, it kind of dawned on me, maybe the Lord had to send a bolt of lightning. We're, we're not helpless in this. We can fight back. And it was the next Sunday uh, that I, I gave a challenge to the congregation. I, I, I talked about how we were feeling and, and the struggle that I was having with this, wanting to, wanting to fight and remembering we're told how to fight, how to, how to wage this spiritual warfare. And so I said, okay, out there in the foyer are some calendars for the next month, the next 30 days. Would you sign up? I want 30 people to sign up every day. I mean, one person every day for 30 days that on this day I will fast and pray for these people and for these hurting families and for God to bless and God to intervene. And I thought toward the end of the service, boy, I've really stuck my neck out here. If we don't have 30 people, I'm going to have to fill in all those blanks. And I, I, could, use, I could stand to lose some weight, but this is going to be tough. And as I walked into the foyer, there was a long line of people you, the people of Shiloh, waiting to sign up. We had several people for every day. That was one of the most touching, meaningful things um, I have experienced. Because I knew that's God touching hearts and wanting, people wanting, desiring to, to be part of this kingdom, part of this battle, uh, God was there. Yeah. I think that's one of the things, and for, for several of you who preach and have done, done ministry and other aspects, anytime you're asking people to step up, there is a certain amount of, of control that you're giving up. And you're stepping out and, and hoping that, that God moves hearts and that the people will we'll stand up and, and answer that call. And so for Shiloh, there is so much history in people stepping up and, and answering that call. And I think one of the things you learn in those moments is that God is faithful and God can be trusted. And I think over time you learn that to a different degree as it grows and deepens because you're forced to step out there in faith wondering if God is really going to answer. Really, if, is he going to be as faithful as he promises and says he will in those moments? And that next step is always the most difficult because it's uncertain. And I think one of the things that we fall into probably in our culture today, and I'm, it's probably nothing new for our culture, but we love the certainty of knowing what the next step looks like. And there's an aspect of faith that says you don't know what the next step looks like. It's stepping out on faith. I think maybe that really what, when faith comes to bear, is when we don't. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to another time, the first time that we ever wanted to do a special offering. Um, this is one of those, 
actually some interesting things had happened. Uh, we had gone to the bank. Our, our leaders had gone to the bank and asked to borrow money so we could build this. Uh, because we were in a small we wanted to build, and the banker said, no, no. Um, Y'all not a good risk. I mean, you've only been in existence, what, three, four years by now. You don't have that much history. Churches come all the time. Churches go. Uh, we can't loan you that kind of money. And so we said, okay, let's raise a hundred thousand dollars. This was back in the eighties. A hundred thousand dollars is is a lot of money now, but back then it was a a bunch of money. And we didn't have any real wealthy people, uh, but we decided we will set a goal, and we will have a special contribution day unto the Lord, and we did. Talk about seeing the Lord show up. And the thing that's important about that is not the money or the building. It's learning, just as you said, God's involved in this. And when hearts are given, he shows up. And he touches hearts and he moves hearts and causes things to happen. And I think one of the things that, that we can know for sure is we sit here today because 37 years ago, a group of people, a community, the church, took a risk and said, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to start Shiloh Road 40 years ago, 37 years ago for this auditorium. And, and they stepped out on faith and they did it. You're sitting here today because of men and women who had great faith that we point back to and say, look, not, not necessarily what they did, but look what God has done through them. We and, were, excuse me, yeah, go we, ahead. we were very aware at the time that we're not building this for us. We were building it for, for you. We didn't know what you looked like, but we knew you were coming. Uh, we trusted in the Lord enough for that, and, and we were building for, for you, for our children. As it turns out now, or our grandchildren. Uh, and so you're, you're sitting in the seats right now that were prepared for you 37 years ago. They were prayed over. That were Absolutely. Yeah. And so the, the importance of this space is it is where we gather every week. And it's such an important part of who we are as the body of Christ. That we gather, that we share this cup, that we share this bread every week, that we worship together, that we pray together, that we, we listen to God's word spoken over us. And I think it's so important this continues for generations to come. And one of the things that we have the opportunity now to do is we have the opportunity today to reach into tomorrow. We, we have the ability to reach into tomorrow right here today where we sit. Just as was done 37 years ago. A group of people that, was, that sits here today was prayed over, was dreamed about, and, and they're here today because a group of people reached into tomorrow where they were today. And we have the opportunity to do that. You know, and, and I want to address this because I think this is always there. 
And I, I think it's, a, it's perhaps even a struggle that all of us have. We're going to try to raise a lot of money. Most of it, not all, we'll tell you more about it in a minute, for the building. And a lot of times we want to say, I want to do it for something spiritual. I don't want to do it for the building. It, it's, you know, it would be, it'd be good if, if we could do it for, for, for something else or in some other way. And, and I hear that, and I, part of that is in me. I, I think we all feel some of that. But you know what? Let's get into reality and say, the fact is, today, here, in this culture at this time, we need this. We do. We need this building. We need this place. Um, and as Gary was just pointing out, a lot of really important beautiful, profound things happen here. You, you, you just mentioned the prayers as we come together, the songs, but it, it's even more than that. Uh, souls coming to the Lord here. Now, it doesn't have to be here, but it, it is here. Souls being restored. The body praying together, restoring together, weeping together, the funerals, the weddings. We're not interested in, in building an, an edifice or a shrine. We don't want to do that. Uh, it has to do, it's something practical. It's something down to earth. It's something that we use to the glory of the Lord. Yeah. And so this, I guess, two years ago now, we stepped back as a church and ask who is it that we're going to be as we look to 2030 and trying to, to picture what this community is going to be like, what this world is going to look like um, 14, 15 years into the future. And what we came back and, and decided this is going to be our vision, our mission, is that we would be people who exalt Christ, who encourage one another, and that we engage our neighbor. That at the very center of who we are is this worship of Christ. Not just simply when we gather, but with every single aspect of our life, every single hour of the day that we are worshipers. We were created to worship, and we will worship something. And we want to direct and focus all of that worship to the one who deserves it and is worthy of it. And that as we gather, we encourage one another. We, we encourage one another by walking beside each other, praying for each other when, when we're sick and when we're in need, celebrating with, with one another worshiping together because there there are times when faith is really difficult and I need the people sitting beside me to have great faith because my faith seems to be lacking and I seem to be struggling to truly believe and then the third aspect of that which we said in this vision process we think we're really good at exalt and encourage but engaging my neighbor is something that we need to grow in so not just simply the neighbors around here in Sh at Shiloh, but the people that literally live right next door to us. Because we live in a world of garage door openers and privacy fences where we have our life and the people around us often don't know what's going on in our life and don't know who we are. But that we would start to break down some of those barriers and go literally next door to the people who live around us and share life with them and share Jesus with them. But then also as a church that we would 
be engaging our neighbors who are right around us because we believe God has strategically placed us here for a reason and for a purpose to reach the people that are around us. But it doesn't just stop here that our neighbor goes across the globe. And and there are so many people in this world that do not know Jesus that we want to have the life-changing message. This is not the place where the gospel is supposed to be preached only. This is the place that we remind each other of the gospel so that we go out and each of us individually preach the gospel every single day of our life. That it is who we are. It's what defines us as people. And that we ask the question in this vision process as we talk about engaging my neighbor is if we shut our doors today, would the people around us even notice tomorrow? If Shiloh Road said today is the last day we're going to meet, we're going to shut our doors, would the people right around us even notice that we stopped gathering? Do we make that big of a difference in our community, in our world, that we would be missed. Because we want to be so invested in serving our community and loving our community and being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world that if we shut our doors, people would be devastated, not sure how they could get along without us. And so that's a little bit of the why we're embarking on this journey in this renovation process. And there's going to be three different phases of this process. There's three different aspects to this, um, what we're calling REACH initiative. As we reach today into tomorrow, the first is the renovation of this auditorium. Um, The renovation of this auditorium is going to encompass um, new audio-visual system with two LED display screens on each side of the baptistry. Um, We're going to be removing this soffit up here, um, which means there's a a stained glass right behind this screen, or faceted glass, David Litton would correct me, David Batten probably too. There's faceted glass right behind this screen. It's really actually beautiful. Um, And we're going to open it up so it's all the way to the top it can be seen. Um, We're going to do a new audio-visual system um, with new new wiring and new technology. Um, We're going to do new LED lighting throughout the auditorium so we actually have better light in here. Um, We're going to take the pews that we have right now, and they're going to be refurbished, um, except for these front two rows. They're going to put in really nice pew chairs on the front two rows so that we have some flexibility for things like funerals, um, weddings, performances. Um, Because if you've ever been to a funeral here, you know there's not much room down here when you put a casket here. And so we're going to take the pews that we have, they're going to refinish them, um, reupholster them, repad them, and make them as good as new. Just, just a word on yeah. that. A lot of you, okay, a lot of men probably are a lot like me. You kind of like at my house. My wife says, we need a new couch. Well, what's wrong with that couch? That couch is still fine. It's, you know, it's sitting there. Well, it's, it's worn out. It's, it needs to be changed. 37 years ago, this carpet was laid. These pews were put here. There have been a lot of sitting and a lot of walking and a lot of spilling. And it had to be pointed out to us, <clears throat> something needs to be done. Uh, they need to be refurbished or get new ones or whatever. And we looked, of course, we looked into all of this. 
the best thing to do is to refurbish them. Yeah. They can be fixed up. They can, the material, the wood, the, everything, and it, like he was talking about, and the lights and the audio visuals, we, we kind of have to stay up to date uh, and, and we need to make some improvements. So yeah. the leadership along with the building committee and, and, and the architectural group and everything said, you know, here's what you need to do and we're, we're behind this. We know we need to do this. And, and two in that, Jay Blaylock and David Batten um, have been such a big, important piece of this. They have done so much of the research and the legworks and meetings and um, we owe them a great, great deal of thanks for all the work that they have put into this process. Um, the, the other big thing in this was the, the, audio, or the heating and air conditioning system, is relocating it and putting new systems in place. And so that encompasses the auditorium side of this. That price tag is $850,000. I know that sounds really expensive, um, but one of the things Jay had told us in this process, if we were to walk right out here into this parking lot and build this exact auditorium new, it would be a little over $4 million. Four million dollars to build, and so um, buildings are expensive. Taking care of them and the upkeep is expensive, but it's one of those things after 37 years that really needs to be done. The second aspect of this is they're going to do a refresh to our children's areas. Um, we have wallpaper falling off the, the wall, carpet that needs to be replaced, um, LED lighting fixtures that are going to be put in through the hallways, um, more economically for anything in that. But just to update and refresh our children's area to keep it looking new so young families that are coming in here see that that is a great care and concern for us as a church. And so those two aspects really do talk for us about what it looks like to exalt Christ and what it looks like to encourage one another. But there's a third aspect of our vision we didn't want to leave out, and that's engaging my neighbor. And so what we've also done is we put $300,000 into this REACH initiative that we want to use so that we can be a sending church, so that we can minister to the people that God has placed around us, whether it's in our homes or here um, in our city. But sending people out on mission with the love of Jesus into this world is very important. And let me comment on that 300000 because somebody's going to say, or oh, be more specific. No. Um, and let me tell you why. If we believe, and we do, that God shows up, God shows us the way, God points to some things, God opens doors, that's why we have not been more specific about that 300,000. We want it there, and we're waiting for God to show us where to put it. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me, because I believe that he will, and I believe we'll find opportunities and ways to be the body of Christ, the presence of Jesus, in this town, in this community. What that's not going to be <clears throat> is us writing a check to an organization. No. We do not want it to be for that. We want it to be to send people out on mission to love and be missionaries here in Tyler, Texas. Because every single person, every one of you that sits in a pew, you are a minister. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are called to do ministry. And we want to empower you to do that. And there's an aspect of that that's very vague because we are planners. One, one thing I, I, I came to the realization of a while back, though, 
it's very difficult to see God do more than you could ever ask or imagine when you have everything planned out for him. And so this is a big step of faith for us. It is. And let me add something here. We don't want to take this, all of this that we're talking about, out of the budget. We do not want to stop any of the good works that we're doing. And we're doing a lot. There's a lot of good stuff going on right now. And, and, and we're, we're, we're doing a lot of good things, and we don't want to stop anything. That's why we don't want to take it out of the budget. Actually, we want to increase the things that we're doing, and so that's why we're putting that other part in there. So when new opportunities, when new ministries, where new whatever comes along that's good and right and glorifies the Father, we want to be ready to do that. And just behind me, here's some pictures real quickly. Um, I forgot those were in there. This is the adult education wing that is right now um, when it was first built. Go on to the next one. This is the um, ground-breaking of this building right here that we're in. Um, right here at the podium is a guy you'll all know. It is David Batten. He looks a little different now, but we all do. So. Then four of the original elders, um, Harvey Grant is in the, the back right there with glasses on. Willie, Willie, mm -hmm. I noticed something about this picture. Go to the next one. There, there's one person not actually doing work. Well, there's supervision. You have to have yeah. labor and supervision, and Willie is supervising, obviously. And, and so this, this was something that was done um, 37 years ago. 37 years ago, you were dreamed about, you were prayed about, you were imagined by a group of people. And that's what we want to continue to do. This is not just about building this is not about lights. It's not about carpet and pews and audiovisual equipment. This is about hearts and souls of people who do not know Jesus, knowing Jesus for years and years and years to come. This is about us reaching into tomorrow today. There's a story as Jesus nears the end of his life. He's in Jerusalem. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor... You will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. There's this beautiful, extravagant gift that this woman brings to Jesus. It seems so absurd that someone would actually do this and waste this because there are poor people who need to eat. And one of the things that Jesus says, he doesn't say we'll neglect the poor. He says, they're going to always be here with you. But me 
and this gift that she's offering is really important. And I think what we're doing is we look at this, um, $1.3 million is a lot of money, but we see it as an extravagant gift that we are giving to Jesus And we trust that in his hands, he is capable of doing far more than we could ever ask or imagine with it. Not just with the building, but with the works of our hands and feet outside this building. Because this building and this time that we gather, this is forming these disciples. This is forming the church as we go out on mission together with the gospel of Jesus. You know, that story has always intrigued me. I I used to wonder, what command was Mary following when she did that? And, and there wasn't any. There wasn't any command to go get your alabaster box. Uh, this was a gift of her love from her, from her heart. For my Lord that I love so much. It was a gift of love. Talk about spiritual. That was spiritual. Uh, and and that's where we want to put what we're talking about. I know there's a physical element to it, just like there was with Mary. But we want to make this about our hearts. Um, I remember when we did do the first 100,000, that was such a challenge. There were, on that occasion, we were given cars car. Somebody gave us a car. Jewelry? Somebody gave stock? A lot of people borrowed money to do this, to be part of this. Uh, so it transcends the money. It's not about the money. Money's the tool as an expression of the heart. And let me, I want, I want to tell you a quick story from Exodus 35. The law had been given to the children of Israel for the first time there at Mount Sinai. The law had been given. God had given instructions to build me a house called the tabernacle. Um, I want to dwell among you. So build me a house. So when it got time to do that, to build a building, not that God had to have a building, but it represented something and it had a It had a purpose. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, and name all these things. It could have been... Some part of it was material, part of it was skins, it was wood, it was oil, it was stones. And he goes ahead and says over and over, about five times in this context, it says, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence, and everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting. And it says later on, and all the women whose hearts stirred with a skill, they started making materials to do this. 
Later on, it says the Israelites, all the men and women whose hearts moved them, brought materials. They brought a freewill offering to the Lord. That's what this is. There's no command. But I hope that you can see this as an opportunity for something very special, for our hearts to move us, for our hearts to be stirred by the Lord and do this thing and have a special day of honoring and glorifying the Lord. We may have to have one every year for two, three years, depending on how we do, how the Lord moves among us. But let it be that. Everyone, and what's the date? September 30th. On September 30th, let everyone whose heart moves him, whose heart stirs him to do so, bring a gift. And somebody say, well, my heart ain't stirred me. Then don't. Then don't. Absolutely. But if your heart moves you, if the Lord touches you and stirs you, then let's bring our offerings on that day, special offerings. Something out of our hearts, moved by the thanksgiving, by our love, by our graciousness, by how the Lord has, has blessed us. We're not accepting children, right? Do what? I'm sorry? We're not accepting children as an offering? I don't know that I have an answer for that. No. No. Um, our children certainly are part of our treasure they, here, but And, but and no. we do want our children to be a part of that giving. Oh, we, yes. we do want them to learn because we want them to see this. Let me tell you another story. I've got a lot of stories. Uh, let me tell you this story. My son, who was just a little boy when we did that first one, uh, who grew up here seeing us do this several times. I mean, we did, we did this the first time here and, and the second time. And the, one, one time we raised 100000 we gave it all away, all of it, to start a, a, a Spanish-speaking congregation in this town. There hadn't been one. So we, just, we did that. We gave it all away. My son grew up seeing all of this. He was working as a minister for a church in Austin, and they, they had had a year where their offerings hadn't been up. And, and, and somebody mentioned, we ought to have a special day of offering. And, and all they said, no, we don't want to do that. That's, that's not good for people. It's not good for the church. And my son spoke up and said, oh, contraire. I'm not quoting exactly. But uh, he said, let me tell you how I grew up in a church. I saw this. I saw the excitement. I saw God moving among those people. I saw what it did for the church, what it did for me. And that church did that, and they do it regularly now because you did it 37 years ago, and as was a practice. So when he talks about the impact we're having on our children, do not minimize that at all. We want our kids to see that. And we want to ask you, Pray about this. See if the Lord stirs your heart. Let the kids be involved. Let them be part of it. To bring their offerings if they want to. 
This is about our faith and about our devotion to the Lord and our trust in Him. So, 37 years ago, a group of people imagined you sitting here today. I want you to just, if, if you have a place where you take notes or write things down, I want you just to write this phrase and kind of reflect on it over the next several weeks and months as we head to September 30th. And by the way, September 30th will be our last day in here before we move over to gate 11 um, for a, a period of three, four months, somewhere in there, um, where we'll worship in gate 11. Um, but as we move towards that, I want you to write this phrase down. 37 years from now, dot, dot, dot. 37 years from now, dot, dot, dot. 37 years from now, we hope and pray there's a, peop- a group of people sitting in this room. And some of you, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I'm not trying to be mean, it's just the reality of it. Some of you won't be here 37 years from now. But your legacy, the legacy that you're leaving here at Shiloh Road and on this earth, has the ability to transcend time. You have the ability today to reach into tomorrow regardless of whether or not you will be here. To reach and touch my children and my grandchildren. You have the ability 37 years from now dot, dot, dot. What will he be saying about this group of people in 2018. You know, when you put this, as, as we must, in the realm of, of, of our faith, um, don't ask an economist about this, because he'll say, no, none of this makes any sense. Don't ask a banker unless it's just the right banker. I know a few of the right bankers, but... Because they'll say, no, no, that doesn't, make, that doesn't make any sense. That's not economically sound. That's not all. We're not talking about that. We're talking about our service to God and an opportunity to honor him on a special day in a special way. And this is where, as Gary said, think, be thinking about it, be praying about it, and see how the Lord touches your heart to be involved in this. Let's pray would bow with me. Our Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the ways that we've seen you work countless times, year after year, through this people, through this community of faith. And Father, we pray earnestly that you will continue to do that work, Father, on into the future. Father, to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And to, in some small way, allow us to give up just a little bit of control, Father, to allow you to have complete control. Father, we give it to you. Father, don't let this be for us about a building and pews and carpet and sound and lighting. Father, let it be about people's souls who do not know Jesus. Father, that are far from him. That need to be transformed by his love and grace and mercy. And Father, may we be people who carry that message with us every day into the world so it is so clearly seen by those around us. May we be the salt 
May we be the light that you have called us to be. We pray this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you the invitation. Come to him. Have your sins washed away. Begin life new in him today. Um, If we could pray for you, we're going to have our ministry staff, our shepherds around this auditorium. Um, Whatever we could do to help you, um, come while we stand and sing. Sing on, ye joyful people.